Welcome to Building Texas with Justin McKenzie and Summer Babarak, sponsored by the Bernie Kendall County Economic Development Corporation and Das Greenhouse. And now, here's your host, Justin McKenzie. Welcome to Building Texas, where we sit down with the most interesting people who are making an impact locally, regionally, and across the state of Texas. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome Tommy Matthews to the conversation. And Tommy, where would people know you from? How would they know you locally in the community? I've been very active in the community throughout the years. Grew up here. My family moved here since 67, so a pretty high graduate. I served 14 years on the Cow Creek Groundwater Conservation District and 10 years as Kendall County's representative on GBRA's board. And I've got a couple local businesses here, Westward Environmental being the primary one. And we do environmental and engineering services across Texas and several other states, but as well as locally. So you would qualify as old Bernie, or are you still working on that? I'm still working on that. I've only since 67. Only since 67. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to sit down with you because you have a tremendous history in the community. You ran through a couple of your roles, and I'm going to say your primary focus in those roles is water. Right. A huge conversation when it comes to economic development and growth and everything that we're going to talk about here today. So thrilled to have you. And as I dive into your background, Westward is your business and your primary business. Help me understand, how did you decide to build that in Bernie? I left a corporate job and and decided I wanted to further my, I had an environmental career there. I just wanted to further their work and I wanted to be close to home with my kids, be available for the family, and be able to give back to the community. My mom and dad raised us to, you can either be a giver or a taker. And we were blessed with many things in life, so there's no reason to take anything. You need to give back to the community. And I, I couldn't do that in another job traveling, and I wanted to have the business here. So, Great reason to plant your roots here and keep it here. And I, I wonder, growing up in Bernie before, well, I moved here in 89, so I know what it looked like then, and it was a sleepy town at that point. But yes. 60s and 70s, what did Bernie look like from an economic future as a high school graduate? What did you see opportunity to be in Bernie? There weren't many. People left. Uh, the goal was to get out of town, go off to college and find a career somewhere else and maybe come back every once in a while for a class reunion or to visit with family. There weren't anything, weren't anything to pull you back here. There, there, there was no gravity, Justin, to pull folks back. Well, so how did that happen? So mid-90s, you were already living here, working in San Antonio, I assume? Yes. And a corporate job. And I think you did college in San Antonio, is that correct? I made it all the way to Trinity University, so I didn't get too far. Yeah, so, so you've really built life around the region. Right. So what drew you to Bernie to raise your kids and— and build that quality of life when it was still relatively rural. It was. It was still pretty quiet. There was no HEB at the time. You know, there was PBI was the grocery store at the time. And we'd go down to Riverside sometimes and get groceries and barbecue. Uh, but the quality of life and the pace of life were what drew me back. I wanted my kids to have that small town experience. I wanted my wife to know what it was like to have a sense of community where the neighbors all know each other. You know, people across town, you go somewhere and you see people you, that, that are familiar to you. So. Well, as, as we dive into it, I, I can't keep 
go back to water because from an environmental standpoint, that is a primary concern for economic development. And you've seen it go from large track ranch land to, in some parts of our county, high volume homes. Other parts, there's still discussion about what is the lot size requirement for a well versus surface water. And I want to dive into the water conversation a little bit, and then I'll pull back into westward and the impact you have across the state, well, and across the country in some cases. But let's start with water. I think there's a big gap in especially the new people in our community. Where does Kendall County get its water from, and how do we make those decisions? The majority of the water we have in Kendall County comes from wells, from private wells, people living out in the county and rural areas. The city of Bernie has several significant wells. It's a big part of their full portfolio of water resources. But groundwater is our primary supply. And then surface water falls in second. So the city of Bernie, for example, has a strong yield out of Bernie City Lake. But even that yield is relying on spring flow and the headwaters of that, which is groundwater that makes its way to the surface. So protecting that is a very important thing. And then we receive water the Guadalupe River via Canyon Lake and GBRA's Western Canyon Project. But even those flows, those sustainable flows and that long-term sustainable yield is dependent upon spring flow. So that interface between groundwater and surface water is a very important thing to understand and to protect. And, and when you say spring flow, do you mean rain and regeneration of that surface water type, or is this water underground that is coming from somewhere else? It's It's... Water underground that daylights and makes its way in there. The other is just stormwater runoff. And and some of that recharges, on average, about 4% of the stormwater runoff recharges our local aquifer systems. And some of those yield springs, and some of those water goes deep, and then ultimately we go down several hundred feet to drill a well to get to. I appreciate your background in this because you, you've seen urban areas grow around these same problems. And now you're seeing rural America face some of the challenges that downtown San Antonio, Elmo Heights. I mean, if you look at the origin of San Antonio, it was all around water. San Antonio River Authority has a great video on YouTube that tells the history of Almost Basin and, and the flood control and flood mitigation that caused their development to be. And, and that has an economic impact. Right. If you look at the creation of the Riverwalk and what that has meant for the local economy, it's tremendous. But it exists to mitigate flooding in downtown San Antonio. So I, I wonder, how, how do we use the water argument and maybe convert it into, here's how you can grow economically and not impact water at the same level? I think what we need to do is look at what can we do on a sustainable basis? And sustainability has a couple of components. Obviously, the availability of water and the supply that's there. And then how do we very efficiently and very effectively use that water? There's a difference between the two terms. We want to be make sure that we try to accomplish both of those with effectiveness being, you know, for example, I can water infrequently, and that's very efficient in terms of my use. But if I modify my landscape, that are more drought resistant and less thirsty plants, that's much more effective and that's much more sustainable. So I think those are the kinds of things that we have to look at. And I think there's still some science to be done looking at the groundwater, for example, the resource 
you know, how easily do formations give up water? How will they, how can we model and predict them to operate during droughts, the significant drought of this summer, 2011, or the historic drought of record from the 50s? So how, how are they going to operate that? And how are they going to supply water for those basic human needs, human health, safety, sanitation, and fire, firefighting? All the others are discretionary uses. We enjoy them. We all enjoy them. We all enjoy green plants, having a garden, having beautiful trees, having a swimming pool or whatever it may be. But those are very discretionary uses, and I think you got to bifurcate those two things. You're listening to Building Texas on Bernie Radio 103.9. <laughs> My name's Justin McKenzie. I'm here with Tommy Matthews, and, and I can't help but uh, continue to ask hard questions to understand the history of the region and, two, how it works. Because when you think of infrastructure, you think of it very differently than most people because of your background in environmental engineering. One of the stories that I often tell is I, I love sitting in your office and looking at Google Earth with you because you see it through such a different lens than I would look at it or that I think most people would look at it. You're explaining how we've been using and, and really taking efficient land use around urban growth to make water storage facilities and other surface level things that help the infrastructure. We've talked about that in other parts of Texas and where we should be thinking about it. So I see you as a a long-term view. And I I love that you brought up sustainability because that's really how you look at the world and how you think about sustainability differently, because I think we could all learn from that. I think if we had a clearer understanding as citizens living here on what the use of water really does, a discretionary use of water versus absolute need, that could go a long way with helping people understand, well, what is stage two, stage three, stage four? Why should I be involved in a different way? And I think it's there's two problems. So that societal drought that causes, it's caused by overuse, overpumping, overconsumption, overdrafting. There's also a policy drought that comes in place. So the policy drought we see in the state of Texas is a lot of water projects are financed based on selling bonded indebtedness and looking at how we're going to service that debt with revenues from the sale of water. So it encourages the sale and consumption of water to pay off the debt. And I think that model needs to be looked at. I think it'd be better off to have your know, utilities, particularly public utilities, have a fund to set aside for future supply rather than to having to finance it with debt. Well, after the break, I want to come back and dive deeper into that. I think it's an interesting solution and something that I don't hear often from the general public. So you're listening to Building Texas 103.9 FM Bernie Radio. My name's Justin McKenzie. Stick with us through the break. We'll come back and learn more from Tommy Matthews. This is Justin McKenzie from Building Texas. Today's segment is brought to you by Das Greenhouse. Das Greenhouse is a business incubator launched here in Bernie to serve our local community. Das Greenhouse is a place where you can come to grow your idea. Our goal is to make Bernie accessible to people who are looking to grow a business, expand a business, or learn more about what's out there in their community and get involved. Visit us at dasgreenhouse.org or come visit us at 7 Upper Balconies Road, Bernie, Texas. Das Greenhouse. 
You're listening to Building Texas. My name's Justin McKenzie. We're sitting here with Tommy Matthews from Westward Environmental and learning more about water in the region. And I always want to say Westward Engineering, but that's not right. It's environmental, but you do both. We do both. We we have a full natural resources department. So we do engineering, geology, ecology, environmental permitting compliance. I have an anthropologist on staff, a meteorologist on staff, chemists, mathematicians, a lot of really cool, smart people. And about one-third of our workforce are Bernie graduates. I love that story, and I love running into people that work in Westward in the community because I know they are sharp, they're bright, they're involved, and, and I see them in places where they're involved. I see them at city planning events. I see them in youth sports teams, so it's great to see it, but here's the catch. I don't think anybody knows where your office is. Uh, we're we're on a quiet piece of property out at the intersection of Sisterdale Highway and US 87 Business right across from the EMS building. And you've tucked your entire campus under the trees and, and really to the point of sustainability, built a sustainable corporate campus that no one needs, it, it, no one sees from the road. It, and that's what I love about a smart business coming in hiring local talent, giving them a bright and prosperous future, and then giving back in the community. And that's where I love how you're building in Bernie and and having a bigger impact. We have a, thank you very much. We have a couple of committees that do outreach work in the community, whether it be from highway cleanup or feeding stuff to the food pantry, gathering stuff as well as looking at our own sustainability practices. How can we be very good stewards of the resources that we consume? And how can we minimize that? So it's pretty empowering for folks to have a chance to do a lot of that. So how have you been able to find those Bernie graduates and bring them back? How has that worked from a, a talent acquisition standpoint? You know, some of that's been through existing relationships that we had. You know, I, I knew so uh, a family and their son or daughter was off at A&M getting an engineering degree or an ecology degree, and we would reach out to them, see if they wanted to do a summer internship with us, and, or if, if they were graduating, if they wanted to come interview for a position with us. We've moved it all the way down to the high school level now. We'll bring high school interns in and give them an opportunity to work at, on a STEM deal, whether it's science or engineering or with our geology. We've got an ecology Someone's interested in ecology over there right now. And we really try to bring those kids back as often as we can. This town has so many bright young people that are amazing and they go off to do great things in the world. That's a brain drain. And let's reverse that brain drain and bring those people back here. They already have roots here. They already have a place to stay. We can argue about workforce housing and all those other things. But if someone already has an attachment and a family and a place to begin, then I think we as a community have to do everything we can to try and bring them back here, provide those professional-style jobs for them to come to. Well, and I appreciate that about your spirit. I see it in a number of businesses you have throughout the community, and your your passion with nonprofits as well is always focused on our greatest export, which is our people. Right. Our, we need to capture the great talent and skill set and and see if we can bring them back in, see if we can give them a career. And that's what I discovered as boomerang talent. I came back into Bernie and it was, yeah. what does that look like? What does the workforce need here? And, and it can be very niche. 
when I was in uh, college, I took an environmental ethics class, and my ethic came down to something like this. It's actually part of our mission statement and work. It is and should we have certain things. Certain things that our quality of life depends on. Nobody likes a landfill. But we need landfills. So we all like to throw away our trash. So it isn't should we have them, it's how do we do it right? Yeah. How do we do it where in an ever-improving manner to where maybe today we aren't where we ought to be, but we're heading in the direction we have to go in order to do that as a society. And so we try to work through that incrementalism every time we do a new project. Raise the bar just a little bit higher, a little bit higher, a little bit higher. And, you know, it's been really interesting working with the industry. We've brought people along. 27 years I've had to fight. Well, and, and I want to continue that conversation because bringing people along and having that sustainability conversation is very different than having a no growth conversation. Right. And I see us falling victim to no growth conversations that are stalling and stopping any progress to the latter. I mean, we're going to have more people. We need a landfill that accommodates that. How do we make sure people like you are thinking about that and think about it in a way that uses the right parcel of land that will decompose over the right amount of time, right. is recorded correctly so people don't build houses on it in the future because I suspect there's areas where that's happened in the past. There's so much that goes into true development that I, I wonder how do we talk about that with the community? You know, it, it's. I think it it best begins in education system with kids, making sure they're getting good factual information, and and they're they're what the kids to think. Want them to ask questions. You know, we don't want them to just accept rote things. We want them to challenge that, formulate their own opinions, and the best way to formulate opinions is to be on both sides of an argument. If you'll indulge me. A few years ago, many years ago, my sister began teaching third grade, and she asked me to come in and talk to her kids about natural resources. Now, this was the mid-1980s, so environmental was not really a word anybody used. It was poorly known. And, but, so I went in and talked to the kids about simple stuff, you know, how to be good stewards of stuff. Turn the lights off when you leave the room. Don't run the water excessively. You know, recycle. We talked about this icky thing called composting. Yeah. And... These kids and I got into some great conversations, and it's really got off into some deeper subjects. And I said, look, you should always learn both sides of the issue. You should be able to debate either side. And that way, you're not having an emotional response to something. You're having a thoughtful decision. You know where you stand because you've thought it through. And it was a lot of fun. And I worked with the kids. Years go by. My sister gets married. The 16-year-old girl, Stacy, walks up to me at the wedding and goes, I want to thank you, Mr. Matthews, for when you came and talked to us back in third grade. I said, oh, well, you're welcome. She said, I want you to know that I drive my family nuts at the dinner table. I make sure we argue both sides of the issue. If they're for it, I'm against it. If they're against it, I'm for it. And she said, it really is refreshing to force us to think and not just react. And it was a beautiful, wonderful time, and it was a great affirmation. Fast forward several other years. My sister says, watch the human interest piece on the local CBS affiliate. So I'm watching it. At the end of the deal, they do this deal about this man who's getting into the then unknown green building field. He had a very successful CPA 
business and he showed this reporter how he was doing passive solar and rainwater catchment and gray water from his split his system out, gray water for irrigate the lawn and then a you know a septic system and low energy use and on and on and on. And she said, Well, whatever got you to think about doing this? And he said, One day my daughter came home from the third grade and the phone rang. It was my sister. And she said, That's Stacy's dad. And that you were the one who talked to her that planted that seed. You were the pebble in the pond, and the ripples from that have gone out in great distance in time. You did a good thing. So you never know how those how those good acts are measured. Where our heart is is very important. We've talked about that in a couple of episodes of the past around who's planting those seeds, who's laying the groundwork for a generation to come. And, and you don't know when you're planting those seeds. You you remember that day now, but in passing, in the moment, it was a day. That's right. But then what a great gift to have it circle back and you see those stories, not only impacting the student, but impacting the parents at home as well. I I, I love the, the heart behind that because it is educating the kids, clearly. And, and I think, unfortunately, in today's culture, they're getting an education in one direction we'll just keep on the theme of water. I think there's a, a loud volume of there's no water versus the chorus of there's water from different places. We need to be using it appropriately and, and, and efficiently to your earlier conversation. Well, you know, you'll hear people say, let's just do desal, desalination of water. We'll go down to the coast. There's all kinds of water with desalinated. And that's, it's very doable. Matter of fact, when I was the chairman of GBRA, we worked on some legislation to enable that. We worked with the environmental community to come up with a means to accomplish that. But that's not the low-hanging fruit. The low-hanging fruit is that we have brackish groundwater that nobody drinks and nobody uses. And the salinity is about 1 one-hundredth to 1 one-thousandth of what seawater is. And it's close by, and it doesn't need a 180-mile pipeline or anything else. It can be treated very cost-effectively locally. And that's the supply of water. Same goes for water produced from oil and gas production. Those are called conate waters, old waters. And that water, if you take the total amount of water produced from oil and gas, reinjected back into the ground as a waste product, that total volume exceeds the state's additional water demand for the next 50 years. So how do we get creative? Is that the policy drought that you were talking about earlier? Is the use of that water? I think that that's part of the policy drought and then the reluctance sometimes of leadership to put some regulations and controls in place to steer us in the right direction and to recognize that there are limits to any system. Science teaches us that. There's a finite limit to any system. So how do we stay within those sustainable limits? You're listening to Building Texas on Bernie Radio 103.9 FM. We're having an interesting conversation with Tommy Matthews around sustainability and how the world works in a lot of ways and and the lens that he sees it through is really understanding how these systems work. I'm afraid there's a lot of people that never understood how the system worked. The chicken comes from the grocery store, example. And in our community, I think we have challenges geographically that other regions don't have. So when someone moves here, they assume that water comes from the same place it did back home or that the weather pattern is going to feel the same as it did back home. 
traffic flow, whatever it might be, there's an expectation that particularly adults come in to a new community with. How do we acclimate all of the new people in our community to understanding the, the systems that create sustainability here? I think we have to have a constant form of education and communication and information to get out to people. Can't ever think the job is done. So it's information to realtors, to brokerage groups, to the chamber, through the Bernie Kettle County Economic Development Corporation, through the school system, through the utilities, putting mailers and water data in there. Cow Creek has some wonderful videos and rainwater harvesting and how the aquifer system works. It's getting that information in front of people. And honestly, in today's world, using the social media platforms to get information out is very powerful. And that's where a lot of people get their information from, more so than from print media or even from TV media. Now, we know everybody listens to this program. They if do. If they don't, we're, they need to be listening to this program because you do a great job, Justin. Great service to our community. And, and I may get edited out saying this, but you have a tremendous servant's heart. And it shows that everything that you do, and believe me, you are not just a pebble in the pond. You are a boulder, brother, and you're sending out wonderful waves into the world. Well, I, I appreciate the kind words, and, and I, I think we can wrap up our conversation today around sustainability, and, and part of where you and I share that servant heart is ensuring that we're building a community for the future, right? for our kids and grandkids that are soon to be coming. And we want to ensure that they can find a career, find a purpose, make an impact in their hometown 20 years from now, 30 years from now. And that's the story that I love about you because you've, you've seen that full circle. Graduating 67, moved here in 67. Moved here 67, graduated 78. Graduated 78 and have been able to build a beautiful career and make a lasting impact on countless people because of the pebbles you throw. So I, uh, I appreciate what you're doing and how you're building Texas. Thank you. Every week you'll learn more about what's being built so that you can understand the vision, find helpful resources, and know how to get involved. This is Building Texas, where we sit down with the most interesting people who are making an impact locally and statewide. Join us every Saturday at 930 right here on Bernie Radio. This is Amy Story with the Bernie Kendall County Economic Development Corporation. Join us on Tuesday, October 24th for Kendall County's first economic summit at the Bevy Hotel for this half-day event to learn more about the businesses and opportunities here in Kendall County. This event is being brought to you by the San Antonio Business Journal and the Bernie Kendall County Economic Development Corporation. Sponsorships are still available, and individual tickets can be purchased through the San Antonio Business Journal or online at the BKC EDC website. That's www.bkcedc.com. You don't want to miss this opportunity to hear from local business leaders as well as representatives from the City of Bernie and Kendall County. Panel discussions include infrastructure planning and hear from the people and entities involved in the creation of our entrepreneurial ecosystem. Get your tickets before the event sells out. After the Economic Summit, Doss Greenhouse, Bernie's first business incubator, will host an open house. So come out and see the community's place to support and grow entrepreneurs, innovators, founders, and startups right here in Kendall County. That's www.bkcedc.com.
93.9 FM. Now let's head over to the Patrick Heath Public Library with Miss Constance for Children's Story Time. As the Patrick Heath Library is open today from 10 to 4, this is Bernie Radio.